the spectrum of masculinity is beyond power. It's not just, I'm strong, that's it. Creating safety is what it means to be a good man. If we can be in our full expression, and that means being able to access our power while being to access our sensitivity, being able to have reverence for our community and our people, while also being able to hold a container of safety are some of the most important pillars of what it means to be a man right now. Today, I'm talking nerdy with Ryan Miller about the complexity of modern day masculinity. In this episode, we're diving into the societal and cultural messages men receive about what masculinity is, how many of these messages are unsupportive, restrictive, and negatively impact men's mental health, and how men can begin to redefine their experience of masculinity with themselves and with their partners to create a space for greater safety and freedom of expression within their romantic and platonic relationships. A little trigger warning before we begin that this conversation includes some touchy topics like sex, masturbation, and polarity. Sensitive listeners should be advised and open minds are always encouraged. Ryan Miller is the host of Ignite You podcast, where he bridges the worlds of play and performance. His education is in somatics, breathwork, embodied tantra, animal flow, and all things having to do with the body and its full expression. Ryan supports men in getting in touch with their body, their expression, and their true power. Before we dive in, I would love it if you could hit pause and leave this podcast a five-star review and a written review on whatever platform you're listening on. In doing so, you help get this podcast into the ears and brains of more listeners like you. Now let's dive in and start talking nerdy. Welcome to Talk Nerdy to Me, Ryan Miller. I am so excited to have you on today because we have just been ships passing in the night since I think 2016, 2017. Do you want to begin by sharing with the audience how we originally met? Sure, definitely. Thank you for having me here. We met, for those of you who know this spot, Cafe Gratitude. We were both working there at the time and we had, you know, like you said, overlapping experiences. Cafe Gratitude is such a unique spot. Like it's such a cool place. And for me on my path, it was so interesting to go there because I was just getting into that space, into mindfulness, into this whole community of spirituality and everything on the menu is fucking affirmations. It's so cool. It's such a unique spot that it has such a good community. I could go on and on about it. But yes, Cafe Gratitude is where we overlapped the first time. Yes. In Venice Beach, California, it's a super spiritual community. I was waiting tables there while simultaneously going to UCLA studying neuroscience. And then one day I came in and somebody was like, yeah, Ryan's gone. He moved to Bali. And I was like, what? I'm sorry, what? (laughs) Yeah, like such short notice. Once I found out I was going to go and the opportunity presented, within 24 hours, I was gone. It was quick. And now it's come to my awareness that a lot of my friends here in Bali are people that you are actually very closely connected to during your time here. You're not even here anymore. Now you're in Costa Rica. I did a little Instagram sleuthing before we reconnected just to see where you were at and what you were doing and 
was so impressed by the body of work that you are teaching and facilitating now. And part of the reason why I wanted to bring you on today is because we're getting ready to transition at this point. At the time that this episode is being released, we're transitioning into February, the month of love. And I wanted to bring in two guests back to back to speak about masculinity and femininity and polarity work. And when I saw what you're doing now, I was like, oh, this is it. Ryan is the person that I want to be bringing on to speak about masculinity. And so I would just love if we could begin the more formal part of this interview with you sharing a little bit more with listeners about what your experience of masculinity has been over the course of your life and how that's evolved into the work that you are doing now. Definitely. Yeah, let's get into it. The journey for me with masculinity is, I think it's a story that many men can relate to. And there's like different sides of the pole. And for me, I was very obviously on the side of the pole that was the people pleaser. So as a boy growing up, I had a father that was very strong, that was abusive, and that was in power. In the way that I saw at the time, that's what it means to be a man. But the way that he was, to women in particular, was not nice. You know, there was abuse and there was power used in a way that wasn't helpful to relationships. I'm saying this in a really nice way, right? But being brought up in that experience with a father like that, an older brother that was also very much in his role of kind of the, the stronger older brother that's, you know, pushing down. For me, I wanted to kind of bring people together. So the people pleaser in me started forming, you know, this person that I would really guard myself, hide myself and just try to make sure everybody's happy, try to make sure people are okay and is everybody good and make sure friends are connecting and is everybody in my family okay? There's so much arguing and anger. I just want to make sure everybody's okay. So talk about lack of expression, like my anger, my sadness, my emotional spectrum got so limited in health. And so for me, the path was finding expression in general of any emotion, actually starting to, to listen to myself and trust myself. The people-pleasing path can happen to anybody, and it's one that many are familiar with, but it is an unraveling, right? It's a, it's a journey to explore. And what you notice if you're a child in that experience with a father that is very powerful, that is very strong, what I did is I pushed away power, and I pushed away the idea of being strong. And I thought, to be powerful is to be bad, is to be mean, is to be aggressive and abusive. Obviously, we know that's not true, but it took many, many years to unravel and unravel and unravel and actually start to surface my own personal power. This is even beyond when I met you in Cafe Gratitude, right? Like I said, that was the beginning of my journey. That was the, the start of the unravel and the starting to notice, oh, community. Oh, we can hold each other in community. Oh, we can be held in this. Oh, seen in this. Oh, I can be myself. What does that even mean? How do I even start to be myself? So a constant evolution and unravel of what it means to be a man, right? The journey from boy to man that is not defined, that is not clear in many places in the world, most definitely in the U.S., 
we just don't have the rite of passage. We don't have the experience that transitions us from boyhood to manhood. So I didn't know. I didn't know what to do. So I had my own personal exploration. That's how we ended up meeting in California. I left home when I was 18. I started working at a gym because I wanted to get strong. I wanted to find that power. I got burnt out in that space completely. After a year and a half, I was burnt out. Started traveling the US. I found this thing called Coolworks. It's a website where you can pop all over the US and do little odd jobs. And that's how I ended up going to Venice, California, just finding little odd jobs and places to go seeking, searching, not knowing what for, but just looking for more, more than what I knew in Florida, where I was from. Slowly, slowly unraveling, seeing new potential, seeing men, seeing mentors, finding people that, oh, this guy is powerful and he's not mean. He's not a bad person. He's not this, that, and the other. Oh, this guy's really nice and sweet. And He's really intellectual mentors along the path that I didn't know were possible for men to be this way, right? I just I had a limited lens of like, oh, that's what a man can be. Going through that, traveling more and more. And then that brought me to Bali. And as many people know, Bali is a beautiful place for your shit to be shown right to your face. Like all of it's going to come up. Alex, you live there now, right? I can confirm. <laughs> you know, right? You're living there. Yep. <laughs> I mean, I always say this, that, uh, Bali is this mother, but she's a mother that doesn't mind giving you a backhand. Like she'll show you what you need to be shown. She's not a sweet, gentle mother. And it's beautiful, right? Because it's exactly what I needed. I needed to see exactly what my block was and why I was people pleasing. Like, no, I'm just a nice guy. That's what I am. I'm just a nice guy. No, I'm afraid. I'm afraid of being seen. I'm afraid of hurting people. I'm afraid of my own power. I'm a big person. I'm a, I'm a six six guy. So as somebody who was about two meters tall, moving through the world, I would try to make myself small in different ways to make people feel safe. But I wasn't in my expression. So how could anybody actually feel safe if it's a fake version of how I'm trying to support people? I'm not in my power. So evolutions and evolutions course, brings me to where I'm at today. But through that journey, Bali was now six years ago. And being there, the men there in the community, dropping in with them, finding men's groups, finding ecstatic dance spaces, getting me into expression, into my body, my education in somatic work and breath work and tantric arts as well, which is a beautiful way to open and start to accept these different parts of myself just brought me to this place where I knew my journey was for me to bring forward the medicine of expression, was for me to bring forward what it means to be a man in his fullness. And so to make it kind of a gist experience all the way from the, the people pleaser, the one that wants to make everybody happy, which is still elements that occur, of course, continuing to come into my power and realize that being powerful as a man is so damn important and there's beautiful ways to access it. There's beautiful ways to be in power. There's beautiful ways to access the dark masculine, which we can get into, but I'll leave it there for now. I think that's a good chunk of the story. There was so much gold in what you just shared and what I want to go back to and what I want to share is that I'm, I'm in this book club right now and what we're reading is about the relationship between spirituality and money, which I promise this is related to what we're talking about today. 
but the entire first chapter of the book, because it's a book that's written for women, it's called Sacred Success. The entire first chapter is about women, money, and power. Something that really jumped out to me in, in what we just read this last week was that in research that was done on women and their perception of power, more women would choose to be liked than powerful. As if the two things are mutually exclusive, as if they can't exist one and the same. And so I bring that up because I think whenever we get into a conversation about polarity or masculine feminine, it can become this very engendered conversation. And I would love if we could talk about why it's important to have conversations about masculinity as it pertains to men. And also why it's important to be having these conversations about masculine feminine dynamics, regardless of how you identify. Yeah, I love that. Yeah, I mean, this is something that I talk about on my podcast as well. Like, it's so important to think about polarity, right? This is something that is often talked about, especially in the space of relating, you know, relational polarity. I'm the masculine, she's the feminine. We create polarity. We're a perfect combo, right? It's that easy. It's not. But interpolarity, right? It's the experience of knowing that in each of us, we have a masculine expression, we have a feminine expression. And so what you just shared about the feminine expression being very similar to my story coming from the people pleaser and then being pushed away from power, depending on experience, isn't just an experience a woman has, right? This happens to everybody to some degree, depending on what we were brought up in. So I think it's really valuable what you're mentioning. Like a lot of the things I'm sharing on my story don't just pertain to men, right? They pertain to human beings in their expression, especially human beings that seek to be on the spectrum and towards the masculine side of the spectrum, right? That's going to be mostly what the identification is here because that's what I can predominantly speak to. So yeah, I think being able to, to tap into your masculine for anybody is an important thing. And to push that away, it's not valuable for inner polarity. For men to push away their inner feminine, it's not valuable for inner polarity. You know, if we go all in, we're like, we fucking macho, let's get it all the time. We're not actually creating connectivity in our body. We're not actually bringing in synchronicity and accepting all parts of us. This is what I was talking about when I said a full expression of myself. I don't push away the people pleaser. I'm like, yeah, that's beautiful. I've trained that. I've done repetitions of supporting people. I've put on reps of bringing people together, prioritizing other. Great. That's trained. That's a muscle that's trained. Now, what does prioritizing me look like? Now, what does this side look like? I don't just push that away. I'm bringing in polarity. I'm bringing in both parts to understand how I can be of service to the world. And I think us accepting the fullness of ourselves you said, no matter our gender, where we're at with that space, accepting our fullness is so damn important. It seems like where we get into trouble is when we make these associations between this being masculine and being bad, right? It's like the identification of power, like what you saw in your father, for example, power equals masculinity equals dangerous equals bad. Obviously, I, Ryan, you, Ryan, don't want to be bad or don't want to be mean or don't want to be whatever. Therefore, I'm going to push away what I deem as being in my masculine. 
Exactly. Yeah. This is, this is the story I hear over and over again with clients, whether it's that side where I saw power as a bad thing. So I avoided it. And I mean, to be frank, talking about a heteronormative relationship, a woman that sees that is most likely not going to be attracted to that man. The man that is not in his power, not sure of himself and just wanting to please. Usually that's not where the attraction lies. It's usually him being in his reference and in his power. But I noticed that with clients, that's a repetition that I see working with men. They come from that side, people pleaser, that then needs to start seeking and coming into their power. Or of course, the other side, everything in between, but let's just talk about the pulls right now. The other side, which is the person that has been in their power, has been, like I mentioned, my father was, he sees himself when he's powerful, that's when he's a man. When he's not, he's weak. If he's not in his strength, if he's not seen as a certain way, feared by many, whatever it is, he's weak. He can't be seen as weak because that makes him not a man. So then you have to go into that side of things and understand that the spectrum of masculinity is beyond power. It's not just, I'm strong, that's it. Creating safety is what it means to be a good man. You don't need to be in your power to create safety. There are so many beautiful ways to create that container, to create that space with a person or with a group. So talking about the polls a bit there, because my experience is one thing, but if a man's listening to this or somebody listening to this, it's like, nah, I come from the other side. I was, that was mean. I was on that power spectrum where that's where I was navigating where my value came from was in my strength only. I see that a lot in the training space, right? As a personal trainer for a long time, there's a lot of men that train for that reason, for value, to be valued, to be seen in a certain way. So no matter where you're on the spectrum, we can come to our expression to start finding what it means to be, as we'll call it, a modern man. I want to go back to this idea of we adopt these stories, we adopt these narratives, and then the expression can be people-pleasing, but it could also be leaning into this hyper macho, you know, like that kind of thing. I'm curious if you can speak a little bit more to what some of the other expressions of fear-based patterning around masculinity, what that might look like. So even for me, I, I left this part out of my story because it keeps it succinct if I stick with, you know, one path and one threat. But when I started working at that gym that I mentioned when I was 18, I left high school I left the house that I was at, started working at this gym. In that place, when I was working at the gym, I was the man I just mentioned. I was the person that was training to have value. I was the person that was working out, for one, to protect myself from my father and my brother, because we had many arguments that were physical. So I was like, I'm going to train so I can beat their ass and prove that I'm a man, right? The story of, if I can beat somebody up, I'm a man. This it's a story we hear over and over again from men. Every man that sees another man at some point in their life sizes that dude up. This is a common story. We're looking around at men sizing them up, whether at a bar, whether we're at an ecstatic dance, you know, spiritual space or not. It can happen. We're sizing up the guy that we see. We're like, okay, could I beat his ass? Could he beat mine? This is a truth that many people don't experience or express that we think about. It's our primal nature, right? If you want to talk about this side of the spectrum, it's the men that are in their primitive nature, right? The primitive brain is coming online and I'm here as 
a monkey, right? I want to I want to make sure people know my dominance in the space. <laughs> Very expressive with what I'm doing, right? Because it's felt even when I mention it, I'm like, yeah, I can access that point. It becomes rage, right? It becomes anger. It becomes these emotional states that take us over. And I can speak to this because my brother, especially still to this day, is deep in that space. And he's not a bad person because he's in that space. But if he goes out, if he does something, what he wants to do is see if he can get in a fight because it proves that he's a man. If he can get in a fight that night and he wins, he's a man. If not, he needs to do X, Y, and Z to get on track. So that's an extreme spectrum. You know, people in my family that are, are in that space navigating what that's like. And I know that myself because there was a few years there where I was training for that reason. And I was sizing people up every time I went out, anytime I was at the gym, I needed to make sure in spaces that I was in, I was the strongest. If not, I wasn't worthy. So not feeling worthy because of my personal strength. And whatever we qualify strength as, I'm saying the physical body being, that's one of the most easily accessible ones to present. So how has your definition of masculinity evolved over the years? I've mentioned expression a few times, right? I feel as a man, if we can be in our full expression, and that means being able to access our power while being to access our sensitivity, being able to have reverence for our community and our people, while also being able to hold a container of safety, I feel are some of the most important pillars of what it means to be a man right now. Because if we can tap into our emotions and we can tap into our reverence, our truth, while also creating safety for those around us, what else could you ask for? There's this poll that's ran on men and women all around the world. It's one of the largest polls ran on relational archetypes and what we're seeking in relationships. One of the pieces that came out of the study, so simple, it's that in heteronormative relationships, men are looking for freedom. Women are looking for safety. This is simply what most people desire in relationship. Very simple, right? We could go into the intricacies of that and the possibilities of other experiences, but simply put, most women want to feel safe the presence of a man. And that means many things. Safety. A man wants to feel free. And when we say that, to be a modern man is to be able to create safety. We could talk about the elements of what it means to be able to have that, be able to access that. But I think that's the, the simplest way I could put it. What does freedom mean in that context? Because I know that there's going to be a demographic of listeners that are like, Oh, fuck. That means I have to have an open relationship or I have to be polyamorous. I love this. Yeah, because that's usually where, where we go with it, right? It means I need to have sexual freedom. That's not how I resonate with that at all. In the study, there wasn't specificity of where exactly that's coming from. But to me, when I hear that, and as a man, as a man in a relationship right now that is not an open relationship, I feel I have complete freedom. Because my partner trusts me and we have agreements within the relationship. So it's not that it's like this open there. I can do whatever I want because I'm the man. Like I got full freedom to do anything all the time. No, but the trust is there. That's what I said. The safety is there, right? In the relationship, 
she she knows it's safe. We have boundaries, we have morals, we have experiences that we've set here in the relationship. So for me to have freedom is freedom to express because most men, like I mentioned, right? The polls, most men have suppression and that creates our depression, right? It rhymes so much be real. It's truly though, that that's what happens. That's why 78% of suicides are men. We've heard the statistics over and over again. When I say freedom, I really mean freedom of our expression. And that includes power, right? In relationship, in dynamic, in life, that includes us being able to experience true power in ourselves because that's masculine nature to want to experience that. And that's on both sides, right? It's like if you're showing up power as a man and it's abusive, it's things I mentioned before, that's not what we're talking about. We're talking about power and truth. We're talking about power to express. And so it's tough to say freedom one way because it goes both sides. Like the man has to create safety for there to be freedom. And then there needs to be freedom to create safety, right? It's like these worlds coming together. If we're talking about in relationship, both sides have to show up for it. One of the things that you mentioned is that you would need trust from your partner in order to experience freedom. And I'm curious how a lack of trust would inhibit your ability to feel free in relationship. Yeah. I mean, if, if my partner didn't trust me, how could I express, let's call it dark masculine, for instance, how could I express my power? And we can go as deep as you want here. I don't know how much you, you talk about sex on the podcast. We're open to all of it. So in the bedroom, for instance, if there's not trust with me, one of the things that I'm into is kind of like dom and sub play. So I love when a partner's into that space. Talk about ultimate trust, right? You need to have trust completely with your partner when it comes to the BDSM space, even when it comes to the tantric space, trust. Somebody needs to trust you for you to fully show up for them. To have one without the other is impossible. So for her to trust me first and foremost, so then what my freedom is, is freedom of expression. So freedom of like, all right, like I can bring my power now. You trust me. You can see all of me. Like you can see me in my power, in my weakness, we can call it, in my expression and all the weirdness and whatever comes up, the sexual container and otherwise, but specifically in the sexual container, right? I can be ugly. I can be gritty. I can make mistakes. I can play power roles and it's super fun and playful. We can be in the full spectrum of what to do here, but she has to trust me. I think in any relationship, as you know, it's a core pillar to expression. There needs to be trust to then have safety to then come into our expression. Absolutely. I even think about in a non-sexual context, right? If a woman doesn't trust you to express your anger in a healthy way, then there's no container for that expression. If you hypothetically or any man hypothetically is in a relationship, a heteronormative relationship with somebody who is afraid of their anger, then there's no container for the freedom for that to be expressed in the first place. And so I think that brings about a really important question, which is how do we begin to build that level of trust up in women because it kind of right now feels like this chicken or the egg kind of thing of like well I need the man to prove that he is worthy of my trust which means him doing the work to express in a safe way that doesn't hurt me when he is angry or upset and 
how do I, as the woman, foster a greater level of trust in him that opens up the space to do it? It, it kind of feels like what comes first, what needs to happen first. Definitely. And of course, everything is dependent on the experience, depending on the relationship. I, you know, I don't have the answer to like, this is all relationships, but I can speak to something that happened for me, right? And I can speak to what I did for myself and what I know my current partner continues to do and did for herself to to open up our relationship in the way that we have. Not open in that way, open up to our expression. So I had an ex-partner where something came up where I was angry and I had this moment of feeling angry. And it's not something that up until that point I was felt a lot and showed a lot. And she really pushed it away. She was like, you're in your toxic. This is bad. This is the pattern, right? And so what did I do? That's bad. Okay. I did trust her words, but also it felt weird. So I was like, can I be angry? But at the time, again, like I didn't know how to be angry. It was like, it just popped out because I put it at her. I pointed it at her as if it was her that did it to me. So I didn't get accepted in it. Yes, it's one way I could look at it, right? I could blame her and be like, she didn't accept my anger. But what I did, because at the time I was in men's groups and I was in containers where I could talk about these things. I had my people that I could talk to, my mentors. And an anger practice surfaced. That's when I started getting into somatic work. So I was able to take that experience and go to an anger practice. Scream into a pillow, punch it, roar outside, grabbing dirt and throwing shit. Whoa, that's that's actually medicine, right? Like being in somatic expression of anger. And it really pulled me out of that had nothing to do with her. That just surfaced because I have an emotion to me that I don't feel safe to express. But I don't feel safe with myself. To speak to the men first, because otherwise it's super vague. Who am I talking to? Speak to the men. We have to take ownership. We have to, right? Own your shit. Ownership. Really, being able to own your emotions as a man is so important. It's so easy for us to cast blame. It is very easy to be like, she's the problem. She did this. I can't believe her. I get mad and then she gets mad. What's up with that? Like, whatever it is, the story. For us to be able to have the sovereignty and to have the power to go express either with brothers or with ourselves, is a fucking superpower. Like not many men are doing this work. That's why it is so valuable to be in somatic expression. That's why it's the work that I do because to be in your anger fully, like fully, I mean, as a warrior, as a primal being to be in that and to be able to be in your sadness, to be in your softness, be in your joy fully, your play, all the full expression, right? I can name all the emotions. To allow yourself to be in your emotions, to work with them, to feel them, to express them, to own them. That is necessary to be a powerful man. It is necessary. So first off, the men's work is so important. Obviously, if you can get into men's work with a community, that's so valuable. But if you can't, doing somatic work with yourself is just as potent. Ideally, you can be held in community at some point, but for now, being able to practice that is, that's what healed me. That's what got me on this path was realizing I was blaming everybody for how I was feeling. I was thinking 
these people are all doing it to me. I'm such a nice person. I'm great. That person obviously did it. It's their fault. No, no, no. Own that shit. Own it. Feel it. Express it. Be in that power. And then that's where you can create safety because you understand your emotions. Sure, I still get triggered, of course, but I can create safety because I know if I'm feeling triggered, I can start to talk about it. Communication is such an important pillar of this. I would recommend Marshall Rosenberg's Nonviolent Communication. It's a free two-hour video on YouTube. I'm sure we can put the link in this. Super easy. Go through it. Verbal skills training. So valuable. But if you're able to do the somatic work as a man to feel and to express your emotions and to be able to communicate what you're experiencing, you've done most of the work right there because then you can talk about what you're experiencing. Instead of blaming, you can be in your experience and you can let yourself experience all of it and express all of it. That creates so much safety as I hear over and over again from my partner, right? It's this experience that we've had and we've evolved with the past couple of years being together. It's this evolution of her feeling safe with me because I'm not hiding what I'm feeling to be like, I'm, I'm all good. I'm good. I'm the leader in this relationship. I'm, I've got it together. I've got my shit. I'm good. No, most of the time I've got it. And there are some times where I'm like, I don't got it. Like, this is what, this is what's real right now. Like, just got to let you know I'm grieving or I'm pissed and I got to go, I got to go move this. Like I'm feeling triggered right now. I need to go. Like, I need to do this. Can you trust me to, to do this? So that ability, yes, to hold the grid, it's valuable as a man to be able to be in that, to be able to be vulnerable and really share. We know this, right? But to be able to hone in on that, it's a muscle that could be strengthened. So speaking for the masculine side, I know I said a lot there, so I don't know if you want me to go into the, the other perspective, but. Yeah, well, let's pause on that for a moment, because what I want to highlight and what you just shared is that this ability to own our emotions and express them and move them through our bodies is not something that is exclusively beneficial to men, but something that is really important for everybody. I remember earlier this year, one of the prior guests on this podcast, Victoria Lutzhoft, was supporting me in my own emotional expression. I had an experience and felt a colossal amount of rage, more rage than I've ever felt in my entire life. And she set a timer and played a song and she was like, you're going to go get up on your bed and you're going to beat the mattress with your pillow and punch the pillow and scream and kick it until this song is over. Even when you feel like the anger is past, just keep going until the time is up. And it was so incredibly healing for me to move it through my body in this way. And what I want to come back to is something that you also mentioned, which is that suicide rate is disproportionately higher for men. And so what I really want to accentuate of everything that you just shared is that this is important for everybody to be doing. This is important somatic work for everybody to be doing. But it is especially important for men to be doing this work, I think, because we live in a culture where men are given the message that it's not okay to express those things at all. Women are given some of those messages too, but we have, I think, more natural outlets, you know, when you're not in Bali, right? Like we have more natural outlets for that kind of expression within community and within sisterhood. But for men, I think it's fewer and further between. I'm curious if you can speak a little bit more to 
the messaging that most men are getting in the modern world that contribute to this kind of emotional shutdown and suppression in the first place. And then we can get into the feminine piece. Definitely. Yeah, I love that. And I, I really want to get into that because that is happening everywhere around the world. You know, in the States, it's very high, it's very rampant that men are very disconnected. But globally, this is happening. And I had some stats that I posted a few weeks back that I, I wanted to mention here, and you just alluded to it because you were talking about how women tend to have community. Women tend to have sisters. It's just a tendency that happens. It's easier for women to connect with women on average. 15% of men globally have zero close friends. Zero. 15%. Like that to me blew my mind when I heard that statistic. 27% have six or more close friends. Only 27%. This experience that we're having that we're not able to connect, right? We're not dropping in with men. We're not allowing ourselves to go deep. So it's these very surface level experiences. And like you said, in society, this is what we're being told. We're being told to be a man is to be a lone wolf, right? This classic storyline that has happened for generations that you got to be a lone wolf, especially in America, right? The American dream, but this goes global, right? It's, you got to get shit done, do it alone, no one's got you. You got to get your own back. Like maybe family, but really like you got you. And even if you don't believe in this, for a lot of men, it's ingrained in us, right? Generationally, it's just ingrained in us. So can I even trust anybody? You know, can I even get close with somebody or is that gay? This is a brutal truth that men do not get vulnerable with other men because it might be deemed as gay. Even in the year we're in, right? Even in this time period, of course, it's becoming more and more open and more and more connection is happening, but still those stats are true right now this year. This ability for us to drop the shields, this ability for us to be vulnerable and connect. This is why I mentioned men's groups. This is why I talk about expression because it allows us to be seen in the real humans we are, not this masculine frame of, like I said, got my shit together. I'm good. I got me. You got you. All good. This old storyline, that's honestly lame as hell. We are not meant to do that. We are social creatures. You're meant to connect. And honestly, as men, we can learn a lot from women in your expression and how sisters connect and how you come together. You come together in vulnerability, right? You come together in emotion. You come together because if you even get in sync with each other, right? You come together because you know you need each other. For most men, we say we don't need anybody, right? We're good. We're lone wolves. We're solid. I got me. But this storyline doesn't serve us anymore. So we talk about being a modern man. We talk about being in our somatic expression. It is necessary to have brothers in your corner. It is so important to have people you can connect with. That's why... I think vulnerability and intimacy with other men is important. A guy might be hearing this and be like, what the hell? That's where I was a couple of years ago. With my brothers now, when we meet up, right? We'll even go for a workout and go for a surf, whatever. We'll hang out after. I'll throw my arm around him. Like, hey, man, have some lunch and cuddle up on the couch. It's beautiful. That is beautiful. 
of what else could I want to be able to drop in with a brother, do a sport and activity, whatever it is, and then just huddle up. This experience that, oh, that's not yay. That's not anything else besides intimacy and connection. And like I said before, it starts with ourselves. It really does, right? We're not going to force that upon like, oh, let me just go like hug my brothers for a long time. Like this guy that I know, let me see if this feels good. But as men, most of us are not intimate with ourselves. So how could we be with other people? This is something that most women are. You know, most women are at least semi-intimate with themselves because they have cycles, they have experiences, they have hormonal rhythms that naturally most women will connect to. I'll say most, of course, different experiences. I'm sure, Alex, you can speak more to this. But as men, to be intimate with ourselves is such a rare story. I rarely hear it. Men that actually have a practice of being intimate with themselves. Once you can be intimate with you, once you can actually connect with your body and what you love and to drop in with yourself, then you can start doing that with other people, with your partner more, more intentionally, with your brothers more intentionally. This is so beautiful and so essential. Intimacy as men is so important. Well, I have a new question now, which is that how do men begin to foster more intimate relationships with themselves? There's a couple of different ways. The first place I go to is a sexual place. I just love talking about sex, right? Sex, money, power, I think are beautiful discussion topics. Most people around it. So let's just go into that. But sex with oneself, masturbation first, because most men, and I've talked about this over and over down Instagram watch porn. This is an experience that many men have that they'll watch porn. And so it's not intimate at all. Like for myself, for many years, right? Masturbating to porn is intimate is not in the vocabulary of what it means to connect to watching porn on your phone and masturbating, right? If you want to start connecting intimately to your body, stop porn, stop it. And if that feels impossible, you're deeply in addiction, then like any addiction, you know, slowly coming off of it. But most men, we can stop watching porn if we're being honest. You know, we don't actually need that. So a self-intimacy practice, which is what I have now, it's actually a ritual. And I have an episode on this on the podcast, but it's how men can have a masturbating ritual, starting to connect with their bodies. At first, definitely going to be weird. Like, I'm just going to throw that out there because it's very different than what we're used to. Like, we're just how quick can I come? That's kind of what it is. You know, maybe you edge a little bit, but you're basically there to eject. The experience of being intimate with yourself when you're masturbating, I just put it in that category because you're already actually being intimate with yourself. You're just not acknowledging it or intentionally doing it. So if you're going to masturbate, allow yourself to have a bit more space. Allow yourself to start connecting with your body and allow yourself to not have the objective of ejaculating. Yeah, sounds weird for sure, but allow yourself to really just connect with your body, right? Make it a sensual experience and start where it feels good for you. I know I'm mentioning a lot of things and you're like, damn, that's a jump from watching porn on the toilet and ejaculating. Start where it feels good for you. What would intimacy look like for you? And a beautiful way to do it is... What would I want somebody to do to me? And so you can look at it like that. 
an easy way is love languages. Is it verbal affirmations? Is it physical touch? You know, do I want somebody to say something? Do I want somebody to touch a certain place? Allow yourself to be intimate with yourself. This is so important. This heals so many things. Our relationship with sex, our relationship with masturbation, and relationship with intimacy. Once we can start playing with ourselves, loving on ourselves, even having fun with it. Like in my practice, I'll have fun. Like I'll roll around with myself. I'll squeeze, like I'll move around. Like who said masturbation has to be this kind of solid, quick, shameful experience? As men, we can be intimate, playful, have fun with it. Get into a space where you're allowing intimacy with yourself. I think that is so important. I can go on about that practice, but really just giving yourself permission, permission to play versus permission to ejaculate. Like I need to come, like now play, like play with the edges, play with sensation, play with yourself and start being intimate in the sexual space. Outside of that, I can share, you know, a different space that's not having to do with masturbation if you want. Yeah, for sure. But before you do, I want to interject really quickly and just share that you know, this is something that we talked about very specifically as it pertains to women's bodies in episode five of Talk Nerdy to Me with Lauren Harkness and how sexual plasticity is such a real thing. And because our body's experience of arousal is so intricately interconnected with our dopamine system, there is so much reward, but also so much healing that can occur when we're using our sexuality as something that's conscious and intentional rather than something that we're just using as a numbing mechanism, right? Like anything else that utilizes our dopamine system, be it scrolling on social media or gambling or, you know, doing, there are a lot of drugs out there that will activate your dopamine system. A lot of these things can be used consciously or unconsciously. And the energy and attention that you bring to it is really the thing that makes the difference in terms of whether it's just going to be another way for you to numb and check out or whether it's something that's going to be a portal for greater growth and healing and expansion. So I so appreciate you sharing that. And because it hijacks our dopamine system, the opportunity to rewire, it can happen so much faster than almost any other facet of our lives. So I just wanted to share that little nerdy nugget before you continue on with other ways that men can foster a greater level of intimacy with themselves. Definitely. Yeah, I, I love this because that's why I talk about sex and self-pleasure so much because there's so much space for healing. There's so much space for expression. This is something I've talked about recently with my partner more and more and we've shared online is somatic sex how to have it, how to be in a place of really dropping into your body, really making it a somatic practice, really making it intentional. And that can happen with your personal practice, right? When it comes to you know somatic experience, it could happen with masturbation, right? As a guy, if it feels like that's a jump, you're like, dude, I'm not lighting a candle and touching on my body. That's fine. Getting to that place would be beautiful. And I highly, highly recommend it, right? Getting to that intimate, soft, gentle, or playful space with yourself. You're going to see what opens up for you. Somatic work, though, can show up in different ways. And that becomes a healing, intimate experience. Why? It's because we let ourselves be weird. We let ourselves be abnormal, right? It's allowing yourselves to move and feel freely. As men, 
that is not common to let ourselves move and feel freely, right? It's usually pretty rigid and pretty routine. So having a somatic practice is something I do every day. And I'm every client that onboards with me, it's like at least 10 minutes every morning to have somatic space for yourself. Just listen to your body. What do you need? What do you want to do in that moment? And do it. So simple. But this fosters intimacy. This fosters expression. And this fosters the ability to allow yourself to be weird, right? Here's your permission slip. It full permission to take 10 minutes to feel what you want to feel. And sure, it's going to take time. It's going to take time, right? It's allowing us to have permission to start feeling, start moving. What this can look like for me today, what it looked like is put on the 10 minute timer in the morning. I was feeling super tired when I, when I got into my room at first, but just started breathing, started rolling my neck. I'm like, oh, I got some tension here. Ooh, right. So big, rubbing it, moving it, feeling it, letting my body shake inquiry, right? And like asking, being curious, moving, expressing. I'm very verbal now with my practices. So there's lots of sounds. There's lots of you know vocal activations. What this is and whatever it looks like for you is starting to cultivate permission to be fully. And like anything, whenever we have a fear, whenever we have a block, you know, if I have arachnophobia, I have a fear of spiders. What's the thing that we want to do whenever we have that fear? Like what is most commonly used in that space? A shoe. <laughs> no, running. Kill this. <laughs> running or kill this. <laughs> if you're afraid of the spider, kill it. But if you have a fear of spiders, you're like, I want to get over this fear. Exposure therapy, right? The exposure therapy, the allowing of ourselves to, you know, be at a distance from the spider when we feel safe in a box to get closer and closer and closer, you know, in small ways. I call this exposure to expression, right? This is your exposure to your expression. Give yourself permission to have this exposure therapy. This can happen when you're masturbating, like I mentioned, which is very intimate. And this can happen in your morning practice. This can happen throughout your day if you want. When you go to a park on your lunch break, you're like, okay, I got a little song on. It's my expression exposure right now. You know, what am I feeling like is a little edge that I want to play with, with, you know, being in my expression. There's so many different ways this can show up. But this is for you and your healing. This shows up with others because like I said, your permission slip to be in your expression gives other people that permission slip. I can't tell you how many times I've connected with men because I'm the weirdest person in the room, you know, in the gym or at serve or walking around. They're like, dude, what the hell? You seem like a cool guy, right? Because it's like, here's a permission slip to, to be a man and play. Right? It's a story I hear over and over again. And so I connect with them deeply, right? It's not the surface level thing. They're like, you're weird. I have that in me too. And I want to express it, right? We get to see these parts with each other because we're being real. We're starting to show up as our full selves. We're not showing up as this. I need to be a certain way because I'm a man. Thank you so much for sharing that, Ryan. And, you know, to backtrack so much, right? There was a moment where you're like, okay, now I'm speaking to the men who are listening. Can we pivot a little bit and speak to the women now as well? Do you want to hear from me? Because I have experiences, right? I have female clients as well. I have my partner who is so attuned in this space. She's a women's coach in their cycles and in what it means to feminine embodiment. 
or do you want me to speak from the masculine side of what I seek from a woman? What to you is more more valuable? Yeah, I think from the masculine side, what you would seek from a woman. That makes more sense. <laughs> Given your lifetime of experience as a man, I think that would make sense. <laughs> yeah, so I, I've done a podcast on this as well because it's a question I got asked. We did a Q&A episode on Ignite You on my podcast. And it was so simple, but I realized it's not really talked about. It's so often that it's talked about what the men should do in the relationship. Men need to do this. Men need to do that, like step up as a man and do X, Y, Z. A female listener reached out to me and was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. We know like, you know you've talked about this a lot, you know, what the men can do, how they can show up. What do you want from a woman? You know, what do the men actually want? And I think that speaks volumes to you know, the dynamic of what's going on in society and, and asking for and actually feeling like we can ask for this, right? We can ask for what we desire as women are doing. And again, showing they're asking for their desire. We can show up and do the same thing. This is exactly what happened when I started seeing my current partner. She comes from an experience of being the more masculine side of relationships. She has been in the past the one that has paid for the partner, the one that has directed, owned the business, done the things that we would deem as masculine society, right? But to her experience, she actually felt, okay, I feel like I'm the one that's kind of driving the ship here. I'm telling him what to do, he's doing it, and yada, yada. She had a very masculine experience in the past partnerships. When I met her, I noticed that. I was like, it's not going to work. I really want to connect with you because we had so much beautiful connection space, right? With so many things that we could drop into. But once we started getting deeper and deeper, I noticed, oh, you we're going to fight for like masculine title here, actually. We're kind of button, you know, we're kind of button heads. And I'm like, do you, do you believe that I got you? Do you trust me? You have to have this conversation. She was like, I do, but I don't know how to. It's the same way you hear often. It's like, I, I see that I should, like you're, you're a trustworthy man but I've never been able to, or I've had the example, or I'm just going to get hurt again. If I, like, if I do that, why would I do that? So I need to have my, my guard up. And I told her what I wanted from her. I said, simply, I need you to trust me. So I need you to soften. People hear that might get triggered. You could bring this to a sexual context and you could bring it outside of it. Sexual context to soften is to receive receivership. What happens in sex with a man and a woman? The man gives, the woman receives. To be able to soften, is to be able to open, is to be able to receive, is to be able to trust. To be able to be in that space, I said simply that I wanted that. Softening does not mean you, I'm taking your power away. doesn't mean you can't be strong. doesn't mean you can't have personal sovereignty and direction, of course. But softening is trusting. You're surrendering to me. You're trusting that, I, that I've got it. I've got it. And it was profound. That experience of me naming that, her realizing that's what she desired most deeply, but never had permission to do it. So again, it's not on the women to just soften. Be like, yes, I'm just going to give myself to this person. And no, no, no. You got to be met in it, obviously. Let us talk to that, speaking to the men before. But that is what we desire. And as a man, if he can be in his power and he can be in that space, 
where you can create safety and trust to be with a woman that is trusting you, softening. That is one of the most beautiful experiences because then we're thrive, right? We're, we're in that polarity dynamic. And, you know, different experiences show up and softening, hardening moves through different spaces and phases. It's not so simple as like, that's that, that's who we are. Those are our roles. No, that's not it. But to be able to be in that and know that and trust that, that's what I was seeking. That's what I was always seeking. And I needed to step up into my power before I could ask for that. I couldn't ask for that in past relationships. If I'm being honest, you know, I could have said those words. I did not deserve to ask for that. I wasn't in a space where I was in my own power to create true safety in a relationship where I could really ask for that and deserve that space. So that's me being very honest that only this relationship that started a couple of years ago with Lauren has been a space where I'm like, I'm going to ask for this because I'm in my power and I've got you. And she said, okay, I see that. I want this too. And since then we've been deepening in that space. So that's one simple way to put it. I'm happy to express more on that, but does that make sense? Yeah, it absolutely makes sense. And I know that we've just barely scratched the surface on so much of this. So I would love to ask one final question before we begin to kind of wrap it up. And that is, what do you think is the most essential piece of work that a man can do to create a space of safety within a relationship? The ability for the man to trust himself has to happen. I had to be able to trust my own power, to trust my expression. I had to not be guarded in that, not be afraid of my dark masculine. I had to be able to express it. So I had to trust myself before it could create safety. So as a man, if you're listening to this, it is necessary for you to start expressing, like I said, having those doses of expression having yourself experience that on a regular basis with yourself is necessary. I trust my expression. I trust myself. Then you can start to create safety. Of course, there's layers of communication, but knowing and trusting yourself is essential to creating safety in any relationship. Amazing. Thank you so much, Ryan. Given how little we've been able to go down into the depths of this massive topic, if someone wanted to learn more from you, you're also in podcast land. I would love if you could share with listeners your podcast, anything that you share right now is going to be in the show notes and also anywhere else that they may be able to find you and learn more about working with you. Definitely. Yeah. Ignite You Podcast, as I mentioned, it's a podcast on a run and throw out episodes every week on these topics and so much more. So check out the podcast there. I'm sure we'll have it in there. And Ryan Movement Miller on Instagram because everything having to do with the body, movement, and expression, that's my sauce. So you can go and follow me on Instagram. Amazing. Thank you so much for coming on and talking nerdy to me today, Ryan. I so appreciate you. Oh, such a pleasure. Thank you for having me. If you loved this episode, help us get it into the ears and brains of more listeners like you by sharing it on social media. When you share on Instagram, make sure you tag me at Alex underscore Nashton. 
Instagram is also the best place to send me your questions about the episode material and make requests for future topics and guests. New episodes of Talk Nerdy to Me drop every single Wednesday. When you hit subscribe, you'll be notified of new releases so you never have to miss one. Last but not least, this podcast baby would not be possible without Adam Russell. Adam, I am so grateful to have had your support in creating this podcast. Thank you for always being willing to talk nerdy to me.